Hello, the listener. It's the Downloadable Concept Podcast. This time, slightly uh, thirded? Two-thirded. What's what's the Latin version of decimate, but you've only lost a third? Two out of five. Uh, that's almost one-tenth. So, wait. Hang on. No, it's totally nothing like one-tenth. I'm really bad at fractions. Nonetheless. Uh, hello, Fox is not feeling super well today. She has a sore throat, and she doesn't want to strain it. So, by so, so it is. Wait, so it is two. Th- it is two fifths. Yeah, it is two fifths of the podcast. Yes, just you and me. Yep, the other minus, three are all minus three Munchlaxon. Yes. Uh, nonetheless, we didn't want to go another week without uh, touching base with you, the listener, our dear, dear and beloved, the listener. So, uh, Jeb and I are here to talk to you about video games and things like video games. Yes. So, Jeb, friend, hello, colleague, Yeti, part time. Well, you're the one with the Yeti. Yeah, it's true. I'm, I'm the one with the Yeti. You've got a snowball, mm-hmm. which is what a Yeti would throw, but they shouldn't throw them because they're quite expensive. No, wait, no, no. Doesn't doesn't the Yeti throw the Moogle? Yes, that's right. Oh, we're r- t- touch base back on that later. A friend of mine um, is apparently playing Final Fantasy VI again for the, for the first time in a while and got digging on a whole bunch of related research uh, just out of interest. And apparently there was a dummied out big sister character in Final Fantasy VI who never got finalized. Like in the early art books, there are like drawings of this kind of tough, punchy gal who was going to like hang around and spend her time dunking on Locke and Edgar (laughs) had a huge crush on her. Well, she's a woman, so. (laughs) I really wish this had happened. So yeah, that's a thing. Um, but yes, Jeb, video games. Have you been playing of the video games this past week? I have actually been playing uh, of the video games. Um, in the, the the majority of my video game playing time has been uh, playing one of the video games where you play them by uh, walking around and looking at stuff. Um, we don't have a good name for these kind of games, for these, these first-person narrative experiences. Yeah. And I'm not going to use uh, the shit name for them because fuck you, that's why. I... I do like Arcane's term of immersive sim. Sure. Now, that would mean, by Arcane's definition and by applying it here, I'm putting Gone Home in the same box as Dishonored. I'm personally okay with that. (laughs) Uh, Well, I am here to talk about uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. All right, then. Which is, uh, I believe it came out earlier this year. It's a... It is a first-person narrative... uh, mystery game that uh, borders on the unnerving sometimes about this particular family of which you are playing as Edith Finch, a 17-year-old woman who is the last remaining part of her person in her family and is going back to her family home. All right. In the tradition of uh, first-person narrative games where you play as a young woman, uh, you go home um, and you learn stuff about your family. Um... Now, you may notice that I mentioned that uh, Edith is the last of her family of Finches. Um, That's because everyone in her family that she's ever known and loved is dead. And you go home and you find out why and how. Rough. Very rough. Very fascinating because the way you discover it is usually by finding a journal or a newspaper clipping or a packet of photographs. And when you find these, you play out a little story segment of how that character wound up meeting their end. And they're all very different. I don't want to go into too much detail because I think it's worth seeing the kind of things they do 
mm-hmm. for yourself. Um, for the... a aesthetic framework for the listener, uh, this is developed by Giant Sparrow Games, I believe. Giant who Sparrow are responsible. Uh, yes, I believe I think so. Giant Sparrow. Yes, yes. Uh, Giant Sparrow, who were responsible for the unfinished Swan. Yes. All right. So. Aesthetically, does it have a lot in common with that? The same, say, no. contrast, black and white inks? No, not at all. Okay. It is uh, mostly uh, photorealistic, mm-hmm. with some notable exceptions. Uh, there's a very interesting cell-shaded part mm. that I, I enjoyed in particular, and um, it's it's a very interesting experience. It doesn't take long at all. I would definitely recommend it. Um, there's some genuinely unnerving stuff that goes on. Mm-hmm. I believe it's, I wouldn't... it's rated T for teen. So probably you, know, you you might get some racy stuff, but you're not about to see like gore and viscera. No, uh, you, you don't. And um, hmm. interestingly enough, it's the uh, the first game I've played where not only have I played a like like I said the the character you you play as uh, is a 17 year old woman. Uh, she's a 17-year-old biracial pregnant one. Holy roughness. And this is set in, uh, you know, roughly now, or...? I actually missed the date, but yes, it's... it's If it's not now, it's a couple of years ago, maybe. Okay. Either way, that that's rough. All right. Would, would you would you consider it... Um, because, cause like, uh, it, it's tricky when you're talking about these kind of immersive narrative experience games, uh, especially ones where, obviously, spoilers are, uh, you know, going <laughs> to change the experience of it. Um, I, I find myself interested to ask about this um, specifically in the context of um, basically narrative genre. Where, where like, would I? Would you, yeah, yeah. Would, would you consider this like, for example, is it an American Gothic story? Is it focusing on magical on, realism? Sort of, okay, so it's definitely magical realism. All right, yes. all right, um, absolutely. Um, not to, like disquieting more than horrific. Right. Uh, one of the and and also very whimsical at times. Okay. Uh, unnervingly so, but yeah, yeah. At times. Yeah. And it's uh, available on Xbox One and... It is on uh, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and I'm fairly certain it's on PC. Yeah, it's on Steam. Okay. Uh, in North America, at least, it's currently on sale on the PS4, which is why I bought it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was definitely worth my time and money. Alright. So, you, uh... Also, it's... this isn't really a spoiler... Uh, but in the end credits, there is a uh, there is someone who is credited as being the person who programmed the achievements and trophies. Yeah, and when their yes. name goes by, you get an, you yeah. get a trophy. <laughs> That's wonderful. I, I know people hate it. Like, well, you got a trophy for not doing anything. Fuck you. That guy worked on this. <laughs> yeah, you you watched the credits. You made a choice. No, this this person worked on it. It's like, and they said they said hey. There's a credit for seeing my name. Fuck you. I like that. That I, I that like is that as genuinely an in, that is genuinely endearing. Yeah, we, we we've all we've all had days at work like that. <laughs> Heck, you! I worked on this. Damn it! Mm. And, and I mean, you know, Giant Giant Sparrow also made the Unfinished Swan. So you know, de- definitely a developer to look to for these kind of thoughtful games that wanted this kind of aesthetic. Um, one other thing. Which like this is this is effectively trivia at this point, but um, the composer for What Remains of Edith Finch is Jeff Russo. Which odds are good you don't know that name. <laughs> I don't. But 
but Jeff Russo is responsible for the soundtrack to the Fargo TV series. Oh my. If you're watching the Fargo TV series, you know what you think of the music in the Fargo TV series. And chances are good you like it. So I'm just saying, this is a person who has a handle on music for a place. I I, I, I did enjoy the, 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 the music and sound direction overall was great. Yeah. There were a lot of times when I was when I was playing, just going around the house. I there because it's you know uh, coastal home, or it's an, on an island on the American coast somewhere, and you know uh, lots of wind and waves and old ass house. Everything creaks. I hear creaks. I look around. I'm nervous. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, speak, speaking as a coastal child myself, it's like there's always a part of my brain that's a little bit weirded out when you can't see the ocean when you're outside <laughs> where'd they put it <laughs> but yeah uh so so overall good stuff sounds sounds like it was a lot of fun um well uh, it sounds like it was very engaging it was it was worth it was worth the experience now on the note of uh myself i didn't to, to, to again use the term engaging rather than fun uh i played prey amongst other things mm-hmm. and i remember mentioning offhandedly uh in our last episode that i had pl- i was playing prey and that all the corpses had names. And I was just kind of gearing up for... for I, I thought it would be a pretty rough experience. Right. Uh, I want to say, like, Prey is definitely a game that's going to hurt you hard if you've got a, a good, solid sense of empathy. There are a lot of very sad, very desperate stories about the end of... Well, basically, the end of your personal world all throughout Prey. You know, what you would do with your last 20 minutes, what you would do with your last 10 days kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it is... It is gut wrenching. I I could not handle playing Prey a second time. So I know I know it's not a lot of interesting, yay, video games kind of talk. And I'll I'll definitely go more in depth about stuff in Prey um, on on my blog for anyone who prefers to read that kind of thing. But um, Prey is excellently effective. It was definitely not what I needed right now. It was really good at what it was trying to do. The problem with Prey oh, yeah. is that it was really good at what it was trying to do. Oh yes, and and, and and you know there there are some genuinely beautiful things in it, and some some heartbreakingly lovely moments. It's just at the same time, there's you know you're you're sitting there hearing a really well acted, really lovely exchange on an audio log with the bodies of the two people in question at your feet, and it's just it, it's it's rough. It is really really rough. Um, you remember how the thing with like. System Shock and Bioshock, and we make fun of these games a little bit for having all the story in these audio logs, which means everything's already happened. Right. In Prey, they don't make the audio logs the, oh no, the monster is breaking containment, aye, moments. Right. They're all day-to-day life. They're all two people leaving each other flirty messages on recorders that they leave in the other's workstation because they don't have overlapping shifts. It's it's finding schematics for a nerf bowgun. And like the first time you find it, you're like, oh hey, well, this is a this is a, a crossbow of some variety. This is fantastic. I'll use this to No, it, it's a nerf gun. It is and the game has effectively a slightly useless weapon in it, just because it's what a bunch of board techs did and played like a, an Assassin's League in their workplace with these things. Um handwritten notes have different handwriting. Um there's a D&D game going on on oh, the ship. Oh, no. Yeah, and they recorded a couple of their sections. And so you have this first impression of a couple of the characters involved. Like, one of them's the head of security. 
well, like senior security, and he's kind of a jerk. Like he's really when you when you read his work logs, he's just very very straight laced, very formal, really hard bitten, and and you're like, come on, give these people a bit of a break, you know? Especially because if you gave these people a bit of a break, that door would be open, and I could just grab all those really cool goodies in, which would help me survive. Rah rah rah. But when you play, when you go to the D and D session and you find these recordings they made of their gameplay, he's hilarious and he's so into it, and he's insisting that people refer to him by his character's name, and and it's just like. Ah, I know so that person. Of, exactly, exactly. So instead of like compressing this this uh, kind of post mortem storytelling into showing into using these audio logs to depict a part of the story that you couldn't be there for because who has the budget to show the massive collapse of a of a very big thing? They instead use it to show you the day to day lives, and then they show you a body, and they give the body a name, and you know the name, mm-hmm. and it hurts. It, it really does. There's a there's a bit of uh, reminds me of that sort of thing reminds me a bit of Layers of Fear, which was a bit of an underappreciated gem from last year in the the horror genre. It rings a bell. I think I remember hearing the name and thinking that it was something to do with F E A R, which looking at the Steam page, it sure as heck is not related to F E A R. Definitely not related to that. Um, but it doesn't look good on the Steam page. Because when you look, no. when you take a, a cursory glance at, at Layers of Fear, it looks generic as hell. Yeah, um, I think that's why a lot of people I know and myself overlooked it. But one of the mm. things it does uh, as you go through and you discover, of course, oh look, here are journal entries that will tell you about the horrible things that have happened. But they're not really journal entries about the horrible things that happened. It's just I. It, it's about oh uh, this 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 person is they they're having they I can't leave my house i just i can't do it and they're going to come and shut off my electricity and they're going to stop delivering the mail and i'm out of firewood and then you see where they started breaking down their furniture and throwing it in the wood pile and you start seeing like uh, this person's a painter and you see uh bills of sale for all the things that that they've had to sell off because they haven't been able to paint it's like Jesus Christ! I did not see that coming. <laughs> and that idly um, reminds me of the novelist. I don't know. I don't know if that's a game that you played. Yes. Um, the no- the novelist is kind of annoying because it also frames itself as a little bit more, a, a little bit differently to what it is. Which I get that we we get kind of a generation of marketing where game developers want to try and do a bit of a bait and switch because they figure if they just tell you up front, hey, it's a really thoughtful, introspective game about being an artist, no one will actually buy it which is kind of sad, but I got it. Um, And in the novelist, the framing device there is you have a writer who is constantly having to make these choices between um, his work, his emotional well-being, and the emotional well-being of his wife and the emotional well-being of his daughter. Sorry, not daughter, his son. And, and, uh, like, I I played the, the novelist and I thought it was a decent little thing. I didn't have a particularly, you know voluminous thing to say about it but chris franklin uh camster of the errant signal podcast he wrote about it with this aching sadness to it because to him it all spoke to very direct experiences and choices about things he had to do with his life and i can look at layers of fear as you describe it just just by that description i can definitely identify with that feeling of of watching your world crumble away because you can't create in a way that sustains you and 
that that sounds like it would be incredibly effective. Mm-hmm. Now, like mm. Layers of Fear is very much a horror game. Like it's, right, it's yes. not it's not the like you know running away from a Slenderman sort of thing, but it is a horror game. It does have gory and disturbing and supernatural elements to it, but yeah, it is a lot deeper than that. And uh, that's another one I would highly recommend you try out if you're into horror. Yeah, it is. Turns out it's a gem. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, Prey is also a, a real gem if you're a uh, achievement hunter kind of kind of player. Like if you really want a hojillion different things, you have to go back and do. Totally, yeah. Just you're, you're going to go do those right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> um, although, actually, one one final thing. Um, there is an achievement in Prey for recycling yourself because there's a type of grenade that automatically recycles everything that it blows up, mm-hmm. and that's kind of cool. And if you get caught in the blast radius of your own, they give you an achievement. It's one of the most devastating weapons in the game, and they give you an achievement for accidentally killing yourself with it. Um, there's also is it the give a hoot, to... don't pollute? No, Damn. no, I I can't. Rem- the the achievement the achievements in Prey are actually all fairly cleverly named. I wish I could remember what they all were. Are you are you insinuating that give a hoot, don't pollute would not be a clever name for that achievement? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I didn't actually say that. Um, also, First Prey, of all, um, how dare you? Second of all... <laughs> in, also in Prey, um, there is... Um, <clears throat> in Prey, there is a character who is working on the space station with you who has a, new, has a nerve condition. And this nerve condition means that she can't stand or walk without her... Um, without, without her... Uh, uh, med- medication. Okay. And she kept this hidden from everyone... For a very, very long time. She actually lied about it to go into space because they're like, we can't have someone who's physically handicapped uh, moving around in a space station. This is all sorts of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she makes, she, she kept it hidden from everyone for a long time. And then it's implied in the story that Morgan, your character, and her had a relationship briefly during which Morgan found out. Mm-hmm. And two details on this. One, this happens regardless of what gender you choose for Morgan. Good. And two, you can go and recover the medication for this character because once once everything's all gone to heck, obviously, you know that kind of stuff was. It's almost an obvious fetch quest. Can you please go get me this thing that would let me walk? That's why I haven't gone and gotten it myself. Right. And, and then the medicine is a mimic. <laughs> you get the medicine and you give it to her, and obviously she can't administer it herself. So they actually have this animation of you, the character, leaning in and. Uh, applying medication and this is such a silly thing for me to get hung up on because i mean you know like i said this is a very affecting game she needs the administration of the drugs in her neck and the texture of her skin of her neck has a number of small circular white scars right and it's just like of course because this has happened before yeah and 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 you could you could have not included that it would not like but because the camera sits there and you're holding the needle and you're doing this thing and it's all it's all you could see at that point in time. It's just like they bothered to put even a small amount of storytelling there. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was a really nice, a really good example of how they get to that le- that the very effective empathic level. So there's there's a lot of stuff done in um, Prey on that front that's very impressive. Whew. So video games. So to, to to sum up, video games are no longer fun. <laughs> well, gave up on the fun. other thing. We're done with it. <laughs> The other thing I played was a bunch of Transformers Devastation, so, you know, I have had some fun. Well, me, I've, I've been playing Surge, too, so. 
<laughs> Surge is actually so, kind of cool. I'm, I'm so it mad at that you it. can't play I'm as. So mad. It sucks that you have to play as Warren. <laughs> Nobody likes Warren. Yeah, because the f- okay, I, okay. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bitch about the, the Surge here real quick, real quick. I gotta bitch it. about this. When you start playing the Surge, you're playing as Warren. You you're you're sitting on the sitting on the subway going to the to apply for your new job as uh, with the, the the company that does the the stuff the search stuff and you 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 get off you, like you you get you take the you get off the the subway you you're in a wheelchair you like there's actually some neat things where you can ask people where the you know the the wheelchair access is oh the ramp's just over there that's neat but when you get to the point where you have to pick your class. You can pick a lighter, heavy class. You go to two different. There, there are two different paths you take to to apply for the the Rhino or Lynx job. And for fuck's sakes, on the signage, on the fucking signage for the jobs that that Warren is applying for, it says that these jobs are available to men, men or women. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I'm. I admit, knowing that I've got friends talk- talking about the surge and enjoying it, I'm kind of hoping they're pulling an Axiom Verge, where it's revealed at the end of the story, like, actually, Warren used to eat kittens. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm kind of glad they didn't let me customize my character if he turns out he's a total jerk. But, <laughs> but yeah, okay. The gameplay so, is fun, though. It's kind of yeah, like I, Dark Souls, but the, you get you get stuff by ripping the, the parts off of your enemies. There's a lot of stuff in Dark Souls that I think people don't quite recognize or as a byproduct of technical limitations of the time and the budget. Like, the soul system, you kill a thing, a little flare of light, and you get stuff for it, is because searching corpses was too much time to implement in the engine. Yeah. the In, in the Surge, you, uh, you, there's, you actually get a prompt to, like, you damage their... If they, if they have an arm that you want for your body, for your robot suit... We've all been there. You, you you attack that arm and you rip that arm off of them. That's pretty cool. That's cool. <laughs> all right then. So from stuff and feels to stuff that's feely. Are we really saying um, feels? I am just once. <laughs> you can't prove I've said it twice. <laughs> I'm the one doing the edit after all. Um, no, um, back in the 1980s. A company called Infocom was famous for selling its games with extra stuff in the box, things that were designed to help you feel like you were part of that world. And they they were known generally under the heading of feelies. Um, As we've moved into a more digital distribution era of video games, these things are less and less common. But as a byproduct, we're now making it more common that people will just buy things that relate to and connect to the games media. We've upgraded from feelies to merch. Yeah, yeah. And I and like I, I just thought it would be an interesting thing to talk about because uh, you know we we have our own experiences with these things. Um, I happen to have a, a munchlax looking at me from the top of my desk, and also another three munchlaxes looking at me from over on her desk. And over on her desk, there's about twenty munchlaxes, munchlaxen. Sorry, munchlaxen in total. <laughs> the the munchlocks. Yeah, the munchlocks. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, just, just to give you an example of what Infocom used to do, uh, for their game uh, GUE, which was a kind of a Lovecraftian college simulator where you were up very late at night trying to finish your assignment. Uh, no, sorry, this is the Creeping Horror, not, not GUE. GUE was the, the campus you were at. Uh, you, in that box, you got when your, are we gonna when, um, when, when, when are we going to make that card game? Which one? Lovecraftian college simulator. I reckon we could pull that off. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hmm. Um, look at Mr. Look at Mr. Professional here. Wants to be accurate. Yeah. So in the lurking horror, you got the disc with the game in it. You got your student pass. You got a manual for the game, which is like you know how to install the game or whatnot. You also got a um, a college pamphlet <laughs> with you know G U E at a glance, a guide for freshmen with the the logo on it, and it had like you know the rooms and the bathrooms and a map of the dorms and all that stuff. Uh, it also came with a translucent centipede jelly toy. So the first time you got this box, yeah, yeah, literally, and and this meant that the bo- the box was not one of those you know two sort two 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 piece unfold uh you know lift off top and bottom boxes. It was an unfold off the top one, mm-hmm. you know, more like more like tuck. So you'd open it up that way, and you'd turn the box upside down, wouldn't you? I suppose. And then blah, 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 out, out comes this horrible centipede in amongst all of your other stuff. No, oh, that's horrible. Yeah, the uh th- that pamphlet also would have like been an actual useful thing to oh, yeah. have, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it included such things as um, some background information on the world, um, which wound up being useful for puzzles. Um, it included in it a class schedule. Well, you mentioned which, you mentioned maps too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there was a map of the dorm, which you needed. Uh, there was a list of the school traditions, which you also needed. Th- these feelies were effectively a form of fancy copy protection. Mm-hmm. But they were nice. What was it? Um, uh, Monkey Island. Yes. Had the, the, the Dial-A-Pirate. Yes, it had the pirate wheel. Yes, that's what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> Where you uh, you had to assemble a, a pirate from the wheel that it had various moving bits to create a pirate. And you created a pirate yeah. and it gave you the code to use for your copy prevention, your copy protection. <laughs> yeah. And it was, um, it was, it was really an interesting kind of doohickey. Because the idea at the time was that it would be too hard to pirate because you couldn't just photocopy it, right? Which I think is which I think is charming in its in its expectations of pirates. <laughs> like it, it still was giving you a set of codes. You could still just you know write them down, but it you know it was it was a really cool little toy to play with as well. Mm-hmm. It gave you a tangible um, uh, feedback. Yes, and that and that's something I've been thinking about a lot, um, especially especially. Uh, in light of all the work I've been doing with board games and card games, because you can make components of a game without making people pay for things. Like, you don't have to include uh, currency for your game about trading. But players like it. It feels nice. It's got a good tangibility to it. Mm-hmm. Magic the Gathering is a bit of a weird game, and it's one of the only games I know of which has got counters as a thing that has only recently started actually distributing counters <laughs> with the game, with the, the punch-outs. Well, they used to include, like, you could buy the, like, um, intro decks and stuff like that, which would include oh, yeah. colored uh, counters. Oh, yeah. They, they, you know, and you could get a spin-down life counter in a fat pack. Mm-hmm. Mm. What about yourself, Jeb? I understand that there are some pieces of merch that you're fond of. Well, um, one thing that, uh, like, in, in particular, like, most of my purchases anymore are digital, and uh, yeah. a lot of what used to be feelies have been kind of replaced with like pre-order bonuses yeah it's where you get your your avatar items and your your themes like my my playstation 4's background right now is for abduction which by the way mm. abduction is coming to uh consoles so um i think it's in september uh goodbye <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know 
uh, abduction is the, the the kickstarted game from Cyan Worlds, the the makers of the Mist series, and it's more of that sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, it, it, segueing it onto merch, here, segueing onto the merch here, I uh, I happen to own yep. most everything Mist related I've ever come across. Uh, I've I've owned several <laughs> copies of the books. I, I've um, actually have personally. A... I can't wait till we get to the point where you can get a tablet in one of the missed books as a, as its case. Because <laughs> I, I don't know if a lot of people would, would want that, but I think that there's a market of at least definitely Jeb. <laughs> I, I know a couple people who would uh, probably be into, into that sort of thing. Um, the, uh, the Mass Effect 3 uh, Special Edition actually included some... Like, that's, that seems to be where the, the feely market has gone, is right into the, the Special Editions. Where yeah. you get your you get your uh, your statuettes and uh, I have I have a an N7 patch. That's cool. That's actually kind of cool. I don't have any mm. sort of thing to put a patch on, but I have an N7 patch. Yeah, that's actually really sweet. I wouldn't mind one of them. Um, similarly, uh, if you bought the special edition pre-order of Just Cause Three, it came with a model. Of the main character, mm-hmm. which is to say, the grappling hook, <laughs> functional. Ah, oh, God, I wish. No, it was just a little statue on a stand. It was really cool. Um, and and similarly, all the Assassin's Creed games have a special edition that comes with like a model of uh, a famous building or a character or something like that. Can I? I, I can I just? Uh, uh, if uh, if I, if if, uh, if the the, the the inev the de- if the de- any developers of the inevitable uh, Titanfall three are listening, <laughs> I have one word for you for your special edition. Write this down, Gunpla. <laughs> Absolutely, that would be a fantastic ad for for Titanfall. That I'm like um <laughs> hell uh for for Dishonored two uh one of the things you could get was Emily's scarf the the uh, the mask she pulls up over her face. Mm-hmm. Which I think is an exceptionally cool uh, thing, like as far as connecting you to that world. You, you know, there are also Corvo's mask, which is not quite as cool because. So, so I, I would also like, I would also like, to, I would also like to, to point out real quick that like this isn't, isn't necessarily a new thing for collector's editions. Oh no, no, uh, not at I all. used to have the Lunar Silver Star uh, complete collector's edition for PlayStation. That came mm-hmm. with a cloth map and. Uh, very like it came, it came with uh, a vinyl bound instruction manual. Hmm. Eternal Blue, the sequel, and that came with a pendant. I uh, I have with my copy of StarCraft Two. I got a set of dog tags, um, and that dog tag is a USB drive that has StarCraft One and Brood War on it. That uh, that dog tag has gotten more play than than StarCraft Two. <laughs> <laughs> Though, though, to be fair, going back to StarCraft 1, like, man, that game was ugly. <laughs> like, I know there's a charm to old sprites, but StarCraft 1 in particular, whoo, that that was a soupy-looking game, that was. <laughs> Do you know that back in the day of, again, to go to Infocom, um, the video game Leather Goddess of Phobos, which was kind of the precursor to a Leisure Suit Larry style, not really... <laughs> racy but definitely lewd kind of game. Is that the one that came with the scratch and sniff? That's the one that came with scratch and sniff. Classy. Yes. Because we're classy. (laughs) 
So yeah, uh, one I, of the zorks the, came with zork mitts, didn't it? Yes, yes. One of the, one of them came with 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 a rubber zork a rubber mitt. zork mitt. Yes. Yeah, uh, and and later in the game, in that game, a character would at one point say, "I wouldn't even buy that for a rubber zork mitt," and you could give them a rubber zork mitt because you had one because it, it was never in your inventory. You just, you just, it was just you have it. <laughs> Yeah, because it's in the box. Obviously, you don't need me, me, the game, to tell you about this. It was it was a really weird phenomenon, and I really like it as a as an anchoring detail for some games. Um, and of course, these days now, when we have like you know, plushes and merch and whatnot, it, it's still worth your time to think about in terms of like material objects you like. Okay, okay, okay. The games you love. Okay, here we go. One game that came out in the last say three years that hasn't right. That has no major merch behind it. What's something you right. want? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. Um, so obviously, Transformers Devastation is out. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> because as much because the thing is, I actually kind of want G One Transformers like the ones you see in Transformers Devastation because they're so big. Mm-hmm. Like if you actually look at the toys, in a lot of cases, they're they've got much more limited in everything. Because you know, you know, bigger, chunkier parts are easier to manufacture and all that. So, last three years, you're saying, mm-hmm. uh, I would like a I've forgotten his name, the little robot from two hundred six four. Oh, um, um, read only memories. It's uh, his name. Their name is um. Wow, a lot of people I know are going to be upset at me. Oh, yeah, it's it, been just just long enough. Is it Rom? No, Turing. But that, but that, God damn it, Turing, 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 yes, Turing, yes, Turing, yes. I, w- I would love uh, a little, um, like uh, a Nendo, really, of of Turing. I was gonna say because be, they do make, they, they do have like plush Turings. Yeah. Uh, well, if that if that disqualifies uh, uh, Rom, uh, Turing. I would like Turing. one of the hats. Turing. Well, no, no, Rom, the game. Oh, uh, yeah. If, if the if the plush Turings dismiss Rom from this running of games that don't have a merch presence. I think I would like one of the hats from the marvelous mistake. Ah, they could just sit around on the uh, you know on, near something valuable. You put it on the Turing plushie. Oh, nice. Yes. What about you? Is there is there is there a, is there a game you wish? Well, does it had some? Does it does it count as cheating if I just go back to whole you know Titanfall and Gunpla? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it counts as cheating. I mean, you could totally do that if you want. <laughs> my my beautiful my beautiful precious robot child. <laughs> yes. You know what else I reckon you'd you'd probably want to have if you could? What's that? Snakebird draft excluder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Just going. Uh... <laughs> no, I'm just give me. Thank you. Like the, the amongst my favorite games of the past few years, like I can't really say I'd want merch of Kentucky Route Zero, and you can't. Re- I can't think of a way to have merch of like hex cells. I think I think that for Kentucky Route Zero, the closest thing to merch you want is, a is dog. the soundtrack. Oh yeah, it's okay, just fine, have a dog. dog. Yeah. But but at the same time, the soundtrack and I've got the soundtrack. I don't know if you've got the soundtrack. I'm guessing you've got the soundtrack. <laughs> the uh, I don't the, the I I can't really like. And then I go to a Final Fantasy 15. It's like what merch doesn't that have and does it have? Is there a scale? <laughs> it's got a mobile phone game is, with merch. Is there a scale model of the car? <laughs> yeah, that car would be an incredibly, like, really detailed, really, really picky, you know, open-the-glove-box-style thing. That could be cool. You, you see where the upgrades go to, like, turn it into a jet? 
I, I, and, and, um, obviously. Could also take a step like into, like, the, shirts, the Zen- Xenoblade Chronicles X Gunpla. Yeah. Uh, um, almost obviously, the shirts the characters wear in Night in the Woods. <laughs> the witch dagger hat. Like, it, it would be very hard to get, it would be very hard to get, like, um, Greg's leather jacket as anything, but it's, it's a leather jacket. It's, it's almost painfully generic. <laughs> the, the witch dagger hat. Yeah. <laughs> um,. <laughs> Do but in the, in the spirit of feelies, okay, I'll do one in the the proper spirit of feelies. Right, night in the woods, plastic cups to go on your head. Yes, make it happen, folks. <laughs> also, 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 real knives to fight your friends I, I, with. But but no, um, sorry, just 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 to jump slightly to the side here, um, a feely that actually exists. Um, Killing time at light speed by John Kane of Gritfish Games, who I. Like, disclosure, I've met the guy, I've spoken to the guy, we, we follow each other on Twitter, I think he's nice. Like, I don't I don't think there's anything untoward I, there. I did, but, a, um, I, did I, I did an interview with him for Gemsutra. Yeah. It um, might be, it might be, uh, uh, might be applicable to call him a friend of the show. I don't think he's ever right. listened to it, but... Yeah. It, it, it is a reasonable thing to let you know that this is not an, uh, I, I'm not talking about someone hypothetical. But, Killing Time at Lightspeed, if you buy a copy of it in person, it's a luggage tag. Christmas. He made them, Christmas. And, and you have to you have to tear the 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 you know you know, uh, you know how when they when they do a luggage tag they do a little plastic bit around it to make sure that you know it's like yes you've gotten on this flight etc. Mm-hmm. You have to tear that to open it up to get the code out. It's a lovely little thing, <laughs> and and it, it really like endeared me further to this game. So yeah, anyway. And now it's time for retro gaming news. All the news at Vintage for the month of July 2015. Brought to you by the Finch family. How do you want to die this year? Dun, dun, dun. Now then, we only have a Jeb, so we're not going to go for the same up-in-the-air kind of style. We might be a little faster than normal. So Jeb, yeah, your time starts now. It's a game where you play soccer in a way that's not designed to be played. Wait, in and 2015? it's not Pikmin, because that came out recently. <laughs> so wait, what? Are we going back yes. in time or now? We're going back in time. 2015. 2015, soccer not meant to be played. In a way, it's not meant to be played? Well, I think people would argue these days, it's definitely the way you should play soccer. It's very, very popular. It's Rocket League. It's Rocket League. It's right. soccer with giant um, cars. <laughs> I think there's also a basketball mode. It's a, yeah, I think so. I, I I do not know how you pull that off. Um, it's the re-release of a franchise that no one's really that into. But hey, it was worth some money. Uh, it's a pair of games, and it came out on Xbox One and PS4 uh, in July last in July 2015. Uh, a um, pair of games that no one was really in. Wait, are we sure we're not talking yeah. about now? We're not talking about Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> We're not talking about Crash Bandicoot. We're talking about games where you play Goop. Goop that thinks it's people. Goop that thinks it's people. Then it was re-released in 2015. Yes. When were the original releases? Uh, 2009 and 2011. Was there a was there a uh, prototype re-release? It was a re-release of Prototype, the Prototype Biohazard Bundle, which was remastering both of those games for the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four. They still control like us. To a rousing chorus of eh. uh, yeah, I, I, I guess if you know, you could just, eh. just you could just play infamous 
second son, Dawn of the whatever, the one with the cool lady. Which is really cool. Um, we have a movie tie-in game that might be for one of the oldest movie franchises that's gotten a tie-in game in the podcast. Godfather? Older than Godfather, but it starts with the same name. Sorry, it starts with the same three letters. Starts with God? Yeah. Movie franchise starts with God, real old. And it got a game that's a movie tie-in in 2015. Um, Jesus Christ, I know this. Fuck. You do. You do. Why am I, I trying I know to blank on it? I know you've done film studies, so I almost suspect the problem is I'm using its English name. Because its Japanese name doesn't start with G-O-D. <laughs> oh, Christ. Its Japanese name starts with a G-O-J. It's Godzilla. Godzilla the game. <laughs> if it's a Godzilla game about being Godzilla and just breaking shit, that'd be fine. Yeah, I that's doubt exactly it. what it was. Oh, well, that's fine then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it really was a game where you just Godzilla and you came in and you had to you had to fight various other giant things in the movie. It it apparently wasn't very well executed and the control system wasn't great, but whatever. I just want a good game where I can be just fucking Godzilla and break shit. <laughs> um, so, uh, we have a her 2014, re- well, it's a re-release of a 2014 horror adventure game published by the Astronauts, which was, uh, well, it was about the disappearance of a child, which, you know, almost gives away the name of the damn thing. The disappearance of a child gives away the name of it? it like, it's almost called that. Release of a horror game. It's an uh, action adventure, or just adventure type game, or? Just an adventure type game. Very, like, like you could you could make a reasonable case that it's almost in the uh, immersive narrative game, kind of. Um, wait, wait, it was oh, 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 made oh, oh, by... oh, 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 wait, re-release? Yes. It was a re-release. The Vanishing of Ethan Carter? At this point. The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, yeah. It got a re-release in 2015. What, uh, was it I've released, no like, on PC or something? I... Like, it, that's the thing, it was already on the PC when it got launched. Um, it might be that it was the PlayStation... Oh, yes, it was the PlayStation 4 release. Okay. There you go. Um, I I deliberately am weaving around the actual events in The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Anyway. Well, there's someone um, named Ethan Carter and they vanish. Yeah, let's 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 say that. Um, <laughs> uh, we have a number four in a terrifyingly successful indie juggernaut franchise. Number four of an indie franchise? Does it have yeah. a four in the name? Yes. Was an indie franchise made it to four? Yeah. In two years. FNAF? Yep. Five Nights at Freddy's Fall. Huh. Uh, we have... They're not my cup of tea, but I have nothing bad to say about FNAF. Yeah. I, I, have, lots also, of, I have lots of good things to say about it, honestly, because, like, the, the, the first, at least the first three or four, three games I know of play around with formula? Like, you can't, can't really ask for much more? I... I I also, like, the creator is the kind of person I personally, like, if you just gave me the bullet points, I'd probably want to make fun of him. And then he went and got rich and showed that he's actually totally a really nice, kind person. And I'm like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, he's, he's really a good guy. Fuck. Well, <laughs> there goes my mean-spirited uh, behavior. Uh, we have a 2004 game, finally! Getting its Mac and Linux ports. About goddamn time. <laughs> Shortly before the LucasArts publishers stopped existing forever. <laughs> is this a Star War? It is a Star War. Indeed, it is one of the very well-hailed Star War. Uh, KOTOR? Yeah, KOTOR 2. Oh, the one they forgot yeah. to finish. KOTOR, yeah. They didn't have the opportunity KOTOR to 2. finish it. 
KOTOR 2 got its Mac and Linux release in 2015. Good for them. All right. Yeah. Now, now for the most part, everything I've mentioned so far has been a re-release of some variety. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's just... Usually July, it seems, is a, is a period for things to get re-released. Other re-releases include The Fall, Journey, Onichanbara 2, <laughs> uh, Cube, Geometry Wars getting ported to the PS Vita. Well, I mean, fucking Geometry Wars gets ported to everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, also, one of the games here is a game that has consumed more time on my personal playlist than any other game I have on Steam since its release. Well, this isn't fair because I've seen that picture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this game is a roguelike stealth game. Uh-huh. I'm really bad at it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm good at it. I think I've just practiced enough that I can fake it. I think you've played it more than anyone. I might actually be the human who has played the most the swindle. Uh, we'll have to ask, we'll have to re- review with the the people we know who have worked on the swindle to, to find out. Yeah, if, actually, I can. Co- I <laughs> find out if, if you have actually played it more than anyone. <laughs> that that would be a very dubious honor, especially since I don't actually have that impressive a a, a high score time. What in terms of time um, played on it? Uh, no, no, no. Um, my fastest swindle is, I think, 22 days. And I thought I was absolutely flying. And then Dan's like, yeah, the the best swindle ever was 14. <laughs> now you have work to do. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I just need to cut a third of my time. That'll do easy. That's how speedrunning works. Yeah. Finally, one final I can mention. barely get past the first section. Yeah. And, and like, I, I don't know how better to describe it, but the swindle has a very gooey control mechanism <laughs> if you're not if you're not feeling it like if you don't like how it feels it never gets better. let me tell you the the vita does not help that Ugh. so one one final thing that came out at this point and it is another re-release but i think it's a, a re-release that's worthy of mention um it's the droid and ios release of a survival strategy game where the player explicitly is playing civilians Survival strategy? Survival strategy. What are they surviving against? A war, in fact. This war of mine? This war of mine, yes. Um, this war of mine recently got a board game release. Really? Yes. And the board game got a bit of a, a minor kicking from some of your more classic Euro game board game reviewers who, who pointed out some things like some of the bad things that can happen to you are very random and there's no real recovery mechanism. You can just have, like, one day one of your survivors has died of a drug overdose, that, and that's all there is to it. Yeah, welcome to this war is mine. Yeah. War of mine. Yep. <laughs> and we call that accurate to the source brought, material. This brought to the attention on Board Game Geek a reviewer. A reviewer who was 11 years old during the 1992 to 1995 Siege of Sarajevo, which inspired this, this war, war of mine. Yeah. And he wrote about both his experiences and how the game felt, and how he wanted to share the game with people. Wow. And, uh, yeah, speaking of deeply affecting things, I, I, uh, what, one of my favorite little details about the whole review, as he's talking about this war of mine, um, one thing that was very strange was the idea to him that people hoarded things. So obviously it had to happen, we know it happens, but when you're living through it, I watched a circle of adults sitting very closely together, sharing a cigarette. And they made that cigarette last two hours. And 
if I had something, you had something. If we had space, we did plays. If we had objects, we made game. And it was it was a very, very... Uh, it was a wonderful thing to read. Again, deeply affecting. Right. <laughs> I don't want to read it again. But yeah, so uh, this War of Mine got ported uh, to the iOS and Android in only 2015. Huh. And it has had a big impact. I'm really glad of it. Mm. Yeah. Yes, well... Yeah. <laughs> Comedy podcast. Back, back to whack... Back to back to wacky video game fun times. Oh, boy, that Jonathan Blow, right? <laughs> to be fair, Jonathan Blow is kind of an easy su- easy subject to make fun of. He's just he's just our number one. You can't be mad at me for that. It wasn't that much of a pisser. So, anyways, comedy podcast. <laughs> was, by the way, the listener that was the that was the actual uh, real life spoken version of a blank tweet. <laughs> just posting the snack picture. <laughs> anyway, the listener, uh, thank you very much as ever always for your support on Patreon. Yeah, that was a podcast, wasn't podcast it? Going? Yeah, that that was a podcast. We we done did a podcast. It's a fucking miracle, um, I tell you. Uh, thank you as well for your understanding and kindness when we do things like take a week off for our mental health because you know things happen. Or physical health worth, because it was like a hundred fucking degrees here. Yeah, that too. It's just just like <laughs> it is. It is very kind of you. And we appreciate it greatly that you respect us as people and creators and know that we aren't just machines pumping this stuff. It's very much appreciated. Um, if you'd like to continue, if you'd like to support the podcast, by all means, uh, we have a Patreon link. Uh, we, you know, even just a dollar to say, hey, I like thing would be greatly. Anyway, that was Jeb. That was, fo- wait, no, that wasn't. No, it wasn't Fox. She's lying on the floor, resting her voice, playing the Switch. Is this a little bit of an elaborate ruse to get to play as much Breath of the Wild as possible on her days off work? Find out next time.